0: Hey guys, it's Chris from Tap the Craft, and I wanted to say thank you for checking out our show. I also wanted to tell you about our sponsor, Brewer Shirts. At the forefront of the craft beer movement, Brewer Shirts was one of the first to create apparel that celebrates the art of brewing and the love of fine beer. Never too trendy, always comfortable, and offering affordable quality. They screen print their gear by hand in their studio using eco friendly inks, materials, and processes. Check out their online store at Brewershirts.com and use the coupon code TAPTHECRAFT2020 to receive 15% off full-priced items.
1: Craft Beer Friends, a Season 7, Episode 8 of Tap the Craft Podcast. I am Denny Luce, coming to you from Boise, Idaho, and my partner in craft, a dog whisperer, and my favorite Florida man and home brewer from Tampa, Florida, Mr. Chris McKenzie. How are you doing tonight, Chris? And of course, what is in your glass?
0: Denny, I'm doing phenomenal this evening. Had a nice semi-early day at work. Oh, nice. I was, I was home by 4 o'clock, you know, right when it was starting to get dark. And... Um, and in my glass this evening, I'm once again drinking a beer from your side of the country. Hmm.
1: Where is? Where are these guys
0: from? Ah, uh, Port Portland, Oregon. Oh, I'm drinking a beer from gigantic brewing company called Catherine the Wampus IPA. Nice, and, and it is a. Oh, geez, I suck at uh, research while I'm trying to read a bottle, and it is a collaboration. With the with their friends from Degard Brewing, oh, um, and it's a West Coast IPA loaded with zealous amounts of Columbus, Mosaic, Nelson, and Simcoe hops, and they say it results in a beer with intense citrus, berry, and dank notes. I would tend to agree. Hmm. Uh, clocking in at about six point, or I'm sorry, seven point six percent and thoroughly enjoying this beer. So Catherine the Wampus from Gigantic and the folks at Diggard Brewing. Um, um, what was that?
1: I was going to say, uh, it's interesting that, that that's a collaboration between those two breweries because those two breweries do opposite types of beer. Yeah. Because guard does mixed fermentation, uh, you know, all like sour beers. So by any oh. chance, does, does that beer have any... Uh, funk to it, or or not uh, one sound. bit, really? No, not
0: one bit. It's um like it says on the side of the bottle. It's just um, it's kind of as far as an IPA goes. And the only way to give you a real kind of description is to once again taste it. Um, <laughs> um to me, it's just kind of like um, you know, a, a slightly piney. I would agree with that West Coast IPA kind of note on there um nothing crazy over the top just a good solid beer
1: mm. nice solid ipa oh nice nice
0: So, I, I would have definitely not have been enjoying it this much if i was uh enjoying a mixed fermentation beer but hey you know i've i've been wrong before on that too so. <laughs> that's true <laughs> uh, um, but uh what about you denny how are you doing this uh evening and what is in your glass today
1: well, I'm doing well, and uh, maybe you guys can hear that I might have a little frog in my throat for some reason. I don't know. I think it's because I, I don't know, I, I, ate, I ate real quick before I came up to record, and maybe I still got some of that uh, food leftovers in my throat. It's causing me a little bit of uh, discomfort, but you know what? All I got to do is drink more and talk more, and it'll work its way out. But I'm doing well, and I'm uh, I'm really excited. Uh, because uh, I think we're going to have a really good show for our listeners tonight. So that made me really excited to talk about this topic that we'll get into in a minute. But what's in my glass is a Jim Dandy beer. Because a week ago, I was in Pocatello, and I can't go to Pocatello without visiting Jim Dandy. And, of course, bring him back some Dandy cans, some 32-ounce mm-hmm. Crowlers. It's, it's a great th- name. Yeah, it is a great name. It works out perfect. And I uh, I brought back three beers. And um this one I'm drinking tonight is a double IPA. It's actually a hazy or a, it's a hazy double IPA. I don't think it's really necessarily a New England style hazy, but it's a it's a hazy double IPA with lactose added. And uh, they say with milk sugar added, but I'll just say lactose. It's mm-hmm. called shaky legs. Or shaky leg. So it's kind of an interesting name. I not sure exactly where the shaky leg comes from. Maybe it's just a nervous uh, tick, you know, maybe. I don't know. What do you think a <laughs> shaky leg is? Uh, maybe Little, it's uh, what...
0: Restless leg syndrome.
1: Yeah, restless legs. Maybe it's because it's what happens after you drink this 8.5% double IPA um, with some well, sugar in there.
0: Um, as a wise man once said, if you don't like a beer, just chug it and you'll mm. like it better.
1: hmm <laughs> Yeah, we just heard that, didn't we? Yeah. Isn't Joel that what said uh, that. Joel said? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He said, yeah. but um, now this beer—I had this beer when I was, uh, you know, on site at their brewery, and I really enjoyed it. I Had a pint of it, and so I, of course I had to go and grab a, a, a can of it. And this is a this is a really good beer. It has a, a lot of subtle citrusy. Flavors to it, and that milk sugar mellows it out, so there's no hot burn at all to it it's really i mean it's really nice and it and it's not adding enough sugar that that makes it alcoholic at all it's not alcoholic at all it's super mellow. you don't even know you're drinking an eight point five percent beer it's really really nice, and the mouthfeel again that lactose is adding that a little bit more um you know almost like I, Maybe, you know what, maybe this is a milkshake IPA, I guess is what it is, because it's it kind of gives you that, that like, milkshake IPA character. So that's probably why I enjoy it. But, yeah, nice subtle uh, hints of, like, tangerine. Um, I don't know. I got to keep drinking it. I just opened it up right before when you started talking, so I haven't really had a chance to to refresh my memory on it. But um, it's good. It's really good, and, uh, you know, they don't make bad beers. It's funny because we were sitting there. Uh, Haley and I and my daughter were sitting and drinking and chatting, and we were, you know, just having a, you know, nice father daughter time. And where we were sitting was right behind us is where they keep all the old plaques or little placards that they use to uh, let everyone know what beers that they have on tap. And some of them they reuse. They do go back and, and remake or you know re- redo some beers, and and they'll reuse the sign. But they keep every sign that they make and they just hang, hang it up on their wall. And when they need it, again, they just go ahead and pull it down and put it back on their their metal, um, you know, beer beer wall. And she goes, well, how many of these beers have you had? And we started counting. There was probably at least 30 signs up there. And I think mm. it was pretty amazing. Maybe 40. I don't know. I have to count them. There was a lot of signs up there. and I And we counted. I think I had all but, like, five. <laughs> wow. And the five that... I haven't had are ones that you have to drink on site because they add a lot of uh, fruit puree and stuff in there and they don't want the mm-hmm. cans to explode. So it's on draft only, no crowlers, no growler fills. You have to buy it and drink it on site. Those I have trouble with because I'm not in Pocatello all the time. And, you know, I, I almost, the, the bomba guava, I think is one of the ones that has been brewed twice Maybe three times and every time I just miss getting a taste of it because mm-hmm. I, I you know, I either come a week early or I come a week late and by the time I come back it's it's gone. And even though I've asked Haley to sweet talk the owners into, you know, just you know, you know, putting together a, a crowler for me to, to drink. I'll drink it, you know, in three hours after she get you know, she can go pick it up. Drive three hours to Boise, and then I'll drink it right away. It won't have time to explode, right? If I drink it, and she fastest. can keep it in a cooler on yeah. the way home. Yeah, she keep it in a cooler. It'd be like, but they won't do it. They're they're pretty strictlers. Sticklers on that. Maybe but mean, I'm still I gonna can, try. I can understand
0: why? Yeah, keep trying yeah. though. They'll up yeah. yeah. eventually.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm drinking, and I'm and uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it, and I'm enjoying uh, our time together tonight. So. Let's get the show started, Chris, but before we get too deep into the content, I always want to let anyone new listening to Tap the Craft Podcast what we're all about. We are an educational podcast, we focus around celebrating all things craft beer because we want to assist you, our listeners, along in your craft beer journeys and adventures. And you're listening to episode 164, and we're recording on Monday, November 2nd, 2020, and in this episode... We are going to be discussing kvike yeast. Yes, we're going to the yeast. In fact, we're picking out one. Now, now it's hard for me to say this. I can't really say one type of yeast. It's one family of yeasts, I guess. Mm -hmm. And even that is not easy to say because this kvike farmhouse-style yeast from Norway has different strains from different areas around the country— that can be an ale yeast or it can be a lager yeast or it can be a hybrid of the two and that's what makes this yeast so interesting and i can't wait to discuss this with you guys and let and teach you guys about this yeast that if you haven't seen already you will be seeing from your favorite breweries very soon because i think a lot of breweries are going to start using this yeast at least on an experimental um, way to see what it can do so we'll talk about those characteristics In the brew buzz segment. And of course, you can count on Chris and I having some great conversation along the way. So um, before we get started, also I just want to say this episode is brought to you in part by our satisfied Patreon supporters like Mike Allen, who is one of our virtual producers, Tom Byrne, Jeff Steiler, Johan Halberg, Tara Carlson, Chad LaMassa, and Mark Church. They all want to buy us a virtual beer. And if you enjoy the content we provide, we invite you to support the show by toasting your host or buying us a virtual beer or even being a virtual producer. You can explore the options on our support page by visiting patreon.com slash tap the craft. And also, as a reminder, we did, we did start up an, a website for Tap the Craft. And we encourage you guys to go out and uh, look at the content on there. There is some new stuff on our homepage that was just added this last week. We'll talk about it, that in a minute. Um, but there's also links to our podcast. And, uh, you know, eventually I'm going to be starting uh, a blog on that page also where Chris and I can just go and, and make a, a post about something that's on our mind, maybe an article, maybe more details in something that I'm interested in, uh, maybe try to get some uh, input or feedback from our listeners. So again, when I start that up, it'll be a lot of different content we'll be adding. I'm hoping that now that winter is um, you know, right around the corner, I'll have more time to focus doing stuff like that instead of all my home improvement projects and you know, <laughs> all the other stuff going on. I'll be able to, you know, in winter time, I'll just be able to sit and, and write some articles and do some more stuff on the website. We also have a YouTube channel. I did release a, a new YouTube video uh, last week and it's uh it's called label love it's yeah beer label love for somebody that love label love i think and it's music inspired uh the first volume of that i'll probably do a few different music inspired ones this was focused on uh you know one of our listeners Chad Massa he was you know inspired by another video i did and wanted to go ahead and provide us with some of his favorite beer labels and these were uh, music inspired uh, you know, kind of a theme. And I really, you know, enjoy putting together just a little bit of a, you know, of a video to show you guys these labels and talk about, you know, what makes them so important uh, to Chad. So if you have any labels that you want to get into a video, uh, just email us. Send, us, send it to us, and, and I'll, I'll go ahead and put them together and you might see your name in uh, in a video coming soon. And also as I mentioned, there's some new things on the front page. One of the new things is we have, we're, we have uh, just started a new collaboration with the guys over at Fermented Reality Beer Garden. And what what we're doing is we're doing their Fermented Reality Beer Cast. And this is a 2.0 version. They already had a podcast. It was going for a while. And uh, it kind of went down a, a path that uh, that the owner, Joel, was, was thinking this is not working out the way he was hoping it would. So he wanted to kind of, Uh, You know, redo it, like do a redo and uh, and just change it up. And he asked Chris and I to come on and help him uh, start off this podcast. And so Chris and I are joined by Joel, uh, his partner, Dan, along with uh, his friend, uh, Tim. And so there's a a good group of us, about five, you know, it will be four or five of us. that will be recording, uh, talking about beer. And on this podcast, it's different than what we do here. This one is definitely going to be more adult uh, oriented. It's going to be an explicit tag on there, so keep that in mind. It's not something you want to listen to around your kids. Not that you probably listen to us around your kids anyway, but just in case. Um, but it's going to be focused eventually. I mean, once we get things rolling and settled in, uh, we're going to really kind of focus on getting interviews with people in the in, in the craft beer industry, and uh, you know, brewers, and uh, you know. Uh, and different uh, you know, industry people, distributors, maybe uh, even some worldwide brewers, maybe some brewers or some, some people from around the world to talk about beer. And, and so it's going to be mostly focused on that. And then the nice thing about this is we're going to try to plan to have it release on the Thursdays that Tap to Craft doesn't release. So you guys have been bugging us for years about trying to have more episodes on a weekly basis. And I'm, you know, I wasn't going to do that. Well, now it looks like we might be doing that, so uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, you can find the links to that. Uh, right now we're just trying to get them. We just started at Thursday. and mm, we're, Yeah. Yeah, and so it hasn't propagated to all the different podcast services yet. Uh, so you know, stay tuned. But you can go to tap dot craftcom and you can see where you can subscribe to it right now. We're doing this one off of anchor.fm. It's a new hosting service that started up a, a little while ago. And um, so you can either listen to it from Anchor FM or there's a few services that are already popular. Google Podcasts has actually got it um, and uh, Spotify has it. So those two are, are big ones. We're still waiting on Apple. They, they're taking their sweet time. But uh, eventually you'll be able to find it on all your podcast services. And uh, give it a listen. Keep in mind, the first show is the pilot. And all pilots suck. So um, <laughs> it was it was a it was a complete dumpster. What, what do they dumpster call it? Dumpster fire. That? Dumpster fire. When yeah. we started off, I didn't think we were going to get anything out that that night. Uh, we recorded for like three hours, I think, Chris, mm-hmm. right? It was like a long time. Yeah, it was a long time. And finally, things came together. We kind of like, uh, you know, get you know, crowd everyone in and, and got them situated. And we and we put on a show, and it's about an hour long. Uh, if you add in the outtakes, for you can get a, a taste of some of the stuff we were dealing with in the outtakes. It runs, you know, about an hour and 17, hour and 15 minutes. So uh something fun to, to listen. That's what you can expect, about an hour-long show uh, from that. Anything you want to say about that, Chris?
0: I was going to say that's um, that's kind of going to be the format of it as well, just the uh, being able to take that just maybe an hour-long block of time just to kind of have that uh, – uh, that chat that that potential interviews um and you know kind of discuss the craft beer industry a little bit in a little bit more in depth um i I've had a me personally I've had a lot of just kind of small ideas running through my head as far as being able to talk to you know with uh being able to talk to you know different brewers and 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 organizations and breweries around the country, but also people who also have a big influencing uh impact on the craft beer world like if you think about it, like people who post beers on Instagram or, you know, who do YouTube channels and, and things like that. um, It's pretty cool just to be able to see how this whole world or whole community ticks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Like some influencers, right? There's uh yeah. craft beer influencers that, that we all kind of, you know, in some way we, we pay attention to. In fact, any listener listening to Chris and I, you know, maybe we are craft beer influencers. I don't know. I don't. I don't think of myself that way, but maybe we do have you know play a role in that, and uh, because we do like to spread the good word of craft beer and, and influence mm-hmm. people to to try different things, and and uh, yeah, so I guess we can be considered craft beer influencers. I, that's a that's kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, also uh, some contact information because we love to hear. From our listeners, and you notice that I, I don't have I haven't mentioned any uh, listener feedback or voicemails because we really haven't had much in the last couple of weeks. But if you would like to contact the show with your comments or questions, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail or on Twitter and Instagram, just at tapthecraft, and of course we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash tapthecraft, and as I already mentioned, visit our website at tapthecraft. Uh, dot com, easy easy peasy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so that's it. I've I've been monopolizing the mic, Chris. So it's time for you to jump in because we want to continue this conversation. Because now it's time to untap the craft and see what our listeners are drinking according to Untapped.
0: Well, it actually works out pretty well that um, you know we're going to be having a little discussion about a certain type of yeast, the Kvike yeast. Um, my first check in is going to be from. Tom Byrne, who's drinking a Kvike collaboration called Beautiful Disaster Slack Water <laughs> by, <laughs> uh, by Shades Brewing, and, and he writes, not sure how to rate and he writes like most of their WTF beers, they pull it off. <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean it's enjoyable. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So I, um, he rated that one. He didn't rate that one. Um, and I'm just trying to get a little more information about this beer. Uh, but anytime there's a whiskey tango Foxtrot in the middle of a, uh, of a check-in. I'm always curious about it. Now the overall rating on this beer through untapped is 3.7 out of 75 ratings.
1: Okay. That's not too okay.
0: bad. It's classified as a cream ale. Um, but that's all it says. There is nothing else in here. No, no information or anything like that. So, uh, just, just an interesting fact that, you know, we're going to be talking about that Kavike yeast and then he's drinking the Kvike collaboration. So Tom, if you want to, give us a little input on that beer. We'd love to hear about it Yeah, uh, on Facebook or Instagram. Everything's at Tap the Craft, guys. <sighs> um, next check in from 21 hours ago is Mr. Matt Knight drinking an Oatmeal Stout by Samuel Smith. That's a classic beer right there. Um, writes, one of my favorite beers of my favorite style. Great streaming beer. Four and... I'm sorry, four and three quarter caps uh, for that beer from Matt. Uh, next on the list is gonna be, gotta find out the crap check ins. Uh, <laughs> uh, JC, he's drinking a call sign Haze Maker. I think that's gonna be my my radio name from here on out. Haze Maker here. Um, he's drinking the, the Hayes, call sign Haze Maker by Forgotten Road Ales. Checking in at that untapped at home location four cap rating for that beer that was five hours ago. So Mm. oddly enough, we go from uh, Matt Knight twenty one hours ago drinking that oatmeal stout to Jay five hours ago drinking the Haze Maker. Uh, Next on the list, oh, he's drinking this out of a B cup. Jeff Seiler is drinking a I drove a Dodge Strata. That wasn't a Dodge. This what was it? No, the Stratus. The Dodge Stratus. <laughs> but they probably can't use that. For, yeah, yeah know, I, I like copyright. it. Too. Um, from I'm not saying by. This is from ology. Brewing. And he writes, nice, hazy IPA from Ology Brewing, because, you know, if you say biology brewing, then it sounds weird. Uh, really easy to drink with a tropical and mild, dank finish. We'll seek out more from this Tallahassee brewery. That's right. Drinking some Florida beer. Um, four cap rating for that beer. And has a really cool, just super simple. And I'm going to say vintage label, but vintage is like 90s I can't believe I'm saying that um but just kind of a, a vintage just looking old Dodge it just says I drive a Dodge Strata uh, which is pretty cool uh, as far as that and Jeff I don't know where you're drinking these beers at if this is at your house I'm coming over because that's a uh, back porch overlooking the woods and uh I want to come over and drink beer on that porch so <laughs> let's go there um We've got to continue his check-in streak. Chad LaMassa is drinking an Invisible Art Ghost 875 by Adroit Theory. And he writes, this is pretty good. And I, this is an interesting ingredient in there. He writes, this is pretty good. Sesame seeds oh, add wow. an interesting flavor to the finish. Uh, three hmm. and three quarter caps on that beer. I'd be interested in that. Um, I like sesame seeds and i like sesame oil now denny i know you being a big fan of ginger yeah do you like sesame too i do okay i do so, i like i love sesame so i'd i'd be definitely interested to try this one out um so so three and three quarter caps on that in uh, invisible art ghost 875 by Adroit Theory. Next on the list, Jeff Seiler again is drinking a frangelic mountain Brown by founders brewing company, Uh four cap rating for this beer writes delicious brown ale with coffee and hazelnut. I want this in January when the snow is falling and the wood stove is fired up. Yeah, I could back you up on that one, Jeff, because that that'd be a definitely good beer to just sit by the fire. Cause I think that beer actually is a little on the bigger side too, from founders. They, uh, yeah, 9%. That's not bad. <laughs> but it's still good to sitting by the fire beer. Um, Let's see. Next on the list, Kevin Argauer. And guess what? There is no tagged check in for Amanda. So in your face, Amanda, oh, check no. in your own beers. Kevin Argauer is drinking a Venti by Voodoo Brewery. And Denny, I only say that because I gave him crap about it yesterday. Oh, did you? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Drinking a Venti by Voodoo Brewery. Just four and a half caps. No notes on that one. And that was about an hour ago. I drank a beer that I'm sad to say I drank and I'm sad to say that I bought it from Tavor. It was called Peach Shove It. Oh, wow. And it was from the Brewing Project. And I... I've talked about this before peach peach is one of my favorite fruits. It's one of my favorite flavors. I'm all about peaches. They're just, I love them. They're absolutely delicious. I would have not purchased this beer had I read into it a little more. It was a malt beverage with peach flavoring in it. Uh, But it was also, if I remember correctly, it was also, I'll, I'll read the, the uh, description, Uh, Imperial Sour which wasn't, it was far from sour or tart imperial sour with peach graham cracker, cinnamon and milk sugar. This was like peach syrup. It was just, I I gave it two caps. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't even finish the whole can. It was just way too sweet. (laughs) Uh, Clocking in that much on the side of the can. According to Untapped, it's clocking in at half percent Oh wow. No. Yeah. Anyway, two cap rating for me on that one. Um, next, gotta throw a happy birthday out to Ryan Whedon. He is drinking a layer cake by Brew Dog USA at Untapped at Home. And he says, Why wouldn't I have cake on my birthday? Four and a quarter caps for the layer cake by BrewDog. Happy birthday, buddy. Hope you're having an awesome birthday. And the last check-in, well, until I hit refresh. The last check-in I have is from Eric Gronley, drinking a double dank juice by Oddside Ales. And he writes, this Monday really calls for a double. This beer is so tasty and really juicy and citrusy, very hop-forward flavors that smack you in the mouth. A tip of my cap to all those who have performed their civic duty of voting early or at the polls tomorrow. Cheers! And he gave that four and a quarter caps. Yeah, we're also recording on election eve.
1: Yeah, yeah, the yeah. whole world will change tomorrow, uh, <laughs> one way or another.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if you saw my check in on uh, on <sighs> Facebook uh, about an hour ago. I really just wanted to stir up some some BS. Mm. And just just for the fun of it, and what I'm about to say, I don't entirely belie- entirely believe this. <laughs> it was just for fun. I wrote, "I'm so excited that COVID will be ending tomorrow." Oh, nice! <laughs> um, and I was I was happy to say that out of my friends and and people that I that I you know uh, am friends with on uh, on on untapped on Facebook, I uh, got a lot of laughs out of it. I haven't had anybody giving me any grief about it, so. It's funny it's a joke and yeah, we'll see
1: what happens <laughs> but that's what everybody's drinking on untapped denny all right well you know what uh cheers to that double because I, I needed a double today too so i understand mm-hmm. that That was eric right that uh mm-hmm. yeah so cheers to you eric for that double minutes ago yeah I, i'm i'm right there with you right there with you all right well good i'm glad everyone's drinking some good beers and uh, and uh yeah let's keep drinking let's keep drinking Okay, well, you know what? We're going to roll right into the brew buzz. And, again, for anyone new to the show, the brew buzz is devoted to discussing various beer-related topics. This week, we will discuss everything about the Kavik. Or, the Kavik. Oh, really? I, I said it wrong already. This double IPA is already starting to affect my uh, my vocals here. But, yeah, the Kavik yeast. So, The first question is, why in the heck are we discussing Kvike yeast? I mean, most people can't even pronounce it, so why discuss it? Well, here's a few reasons why we are discussing this. First off, I have been enjoying several different types of styles and types of beers that are using this yeast. So for my own, you know, in the back of my mind as I'm drinking beers that have this yeast and I'm enjoying it, I keep thinking... Uh, you know, wow! I need to to research this, understand this beer, this yeast a little bit better. Uh, I, you know, I had in the back of my mind a, a few ideas, but I wasn't, you know, one hundred percent sure of of it. I just knew that, you know, that hey, it does like to ferment at a higher uh, temperature, and I thought that was kind of cool. We'll, we'll find out more cool things. Also, I've been seeing a lot of different breweries, you you know, experimenting with this yeast, especially around uh, our area. I've seen some of our local breweries go and and do some kvike uh, beers. So again, I'm like, okay, I'm seeing more and more. Then here's here's the other thing that kind of like rocked my world, is I'm on ta unta- or no, I'm on Instagram and I'm checking out, uh, uh the you know our, you know my feed there, and I see that our listener, our great listener from Sweden, uh, Johan Halberg, he's brewing some beer. He's got pictures up there. I'm going through his pictures, and he's brewing beer with Kvike yeast, and he's doing a batch and splitting it into two different, uh, you know, batches so that he can uh, experiment with the beer with, with this yeast and some different uh, characteristics. So I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, and and, and Kvike really is a home brewer's, you know, ki- kind of of yeast, right? It's it's very forgiving, uh, and, uh, and, and you know, I think home brewers can definitely— Get a lot of use out of this and I think they're the ones that are mostly using it and now it's just starting it out into commercial breweries so I saw uh, Johan uh, brewing with it I said okay I need to I need to find out more about this and then the last the last draw that kind of broke the camel's back that said I've got to do a topic on this yeast is uh, you know i I also enjoy listening to other beer podcasts not just our own and I found uh, Good Beer Hunting had a couple episodes that were talking about Kvike yeast and the uh, Nordic farmhouse brewing techniques, and uh, they were actually interviewing the uh, the the guy who wrote that like like kind of started this whole resurgence of this Nordic farmhouse brewing yeast, you know you know out in the world. Uh, he he went out. Uh, to farms that were that were brewing and and had these unique yeast strains around their area, and he went and, and gathered them and started this whole movement. Uh, Lars, his name is Lars, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, but yeah, I, I I listened to two podcasts: one with Lars interviewing Lars, and one about uh you know one of the uh, uh, the writers uh, going to. Uh, to norway and uh, and visiting some of the the breweries and, and actually sitting in on a farmhouse brew experience and wrote a you know wrote a i think she wrote sure wrote an article, but I think she wrote a book too, and she read part of her of her story and I just really felt like and this is an interesting story that I think that our listeners would really, really enjoy. so that's the reason why we're talking about this obscure, fairly new. In modern times, yeast, even though it's been around for hundreds of years, and these farmhouse, small little farmhouse brewery, breweries, I, I mean, I call them breweries, but they're really just farmhouses that are making beer. You know, they've been brewing these things for a long time, but it's just now getting out into, like, the mainstream. So that's what we're doing. All right, so I did have several articles that I pulled this information from. Um, the first one is uh, called The Rise of the Super Yeast. Will an ancient Norwegian yeast revolutionize American craft beer? This was found on growlermag.com, written by Paige Latham-Dedora, uh, and this article was written in, in 2019. Uh, then I had three articles from um, Lars Garschel, and he's the guy that I was talking about that kind of – he's been the one spearheading – getting this yeast out and doing, you know, helping it get researched and and everything. Uh, Where Kvike comes from, a family tree for Kvike, and analysis of farmhouse yeast, Kvike. And these are all found on the Lars blog, Um, and again, written by Lars himself. And the first article, the analysis of farmhouse yeast, was all the way back in 2016, was when he first started writing about this. And then, uh, 2017 was the second article, and 2018 was was the follow up to that. So, uh, the family tree for Keviak was based off of a research paper that he, uh, you know, that that uh, when he submitted these these yeast cultures originally, um, you know, they st- uh, they started doing some research on it and writing papers on it. And the first one uh, he he wrote about, he kind of covered what the the research was. He helped with the research a little bit too. And then the second one was a, a revision to a, a second, like a revision to that original research that added more uh, data because uh, the people were skeptical of what they read in the first one. And then the last one is uh, called traditional Norwegian kvike yeast, uh, unexplored domesticated Saccharomyces Service, Service a yeast. And this was the original um Let's see, this was the original uh, thesis that was done on the samples. This is back in 2015 on the uh, original samples that were that Lars provided to uh, a university to go ahead and study, and so that's what. Those are all the articles that uh, that I gathered this information from. So I got a lot of re- a lot of different things that I pulled from. Uh, so there's a lot of information out there, and this is very very uh, interesting. So I'm going to go ahead and start this off, Chris. I went ahead and put in some some uh, breaks where we can uh, switch off. And uh, I'm going to start and say, what, what is Kvike yeast and what is so special about it? Well, Kvike, pronounced, uh, pronounced Kvike, is a family of yeast that has been handed down through generations of homebrewers outside of Voss, Norway. It is mostly known as the yeast that is capable of rapid fermentation at very high temperatures. In order to understand the remarkable nature of Kvike, you must understand the rules by which most yeasts play. Ale yeasts like to do their work at about 55 to 75 degrees Fahrenheit. At these temperatures, most yeasts take around 7 days of ferment, a 5% ABV ale. Crank that temperature up higher than this range, and ale yeast will ferment faster and hit that mark in less time. However, with rare exception, they will produce loads of off-flavors. And then these off flavors are compounds that are unpleasant in the beer and in the process. If the environment is increased to 104 degrees, yeasts will start to kick the bucket. Additionally, many strains don't like to be bathed in alcohol. They produce it, yes, but many won't tolerate it over 10% ABV. The majority of yeast couldn't stand up to that alcohol content on the average uh, of the average Bali wine. So Kvike on the other hand, laughs in the face of these limitations. Not only can it withstand more alcoholic environments, which is the alcohol tolerance of Omega's three strains, they range from 11 to 16% ABV. Uh, and Omega is uh, is the uh, company, the yeast company, that's uh, providing kvike yeast here in the States. But they can ferment at temperatures as high as 98 degrees without producing off flavors. At these higher temp- temperatures... Kvike can ferment the same 5% ABV beer, ABV, beer, <laughs> ABV beer in less than 48 hours, three to five days sooner than a typical ale yeast. Some can even survive 104-degree environments. So what do you think about that, Chris? That's that's what's so amazing about this yeast, right? It's very tolerant. Yeah. It's extremely tolerant. Yeah, um, and, it, and it's fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, one of the first things that I had to do when I first started learning how to brew beer was, well, I mean, in most places, at least here in the United States, you can put your beer in a basement Yeah, in yeah. Florida. I can't do that. So I had to buy a chest freezer, mm-hmm. attach a temperature control unit to it so that yeah. I could monitor the temperature and make sure it stayed between that 55 and 75 degree um you know, that window. And then I picked, I normally picked it about 60 degrees to ferment my beer 60 to 65 when I was fermenting beer.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, the fact that it can go that high. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. and not produce those off flavors is pretty amazing. Now I did actually have a friend of mine who owns or used to own Zephyr Hills Brewing Company just North of us that he was fermenting a beer in a chest freezer uh, before he opened the doors to his brewery and his temperature controller broke Uh-oh. and he realized that he was fermenting at about 93 degrees <laughs> and it was an ipa <laughs> which by just some weird strain of luck it actually turned out pretty good now it had mm. some kind of esters it had some esters off flavors to it um it had that like banana clovey uh kind of flavor to it and with mm-hmm. the ipa and just it, like i said it was just a fluke that it worked out, but, um, something like this could be extremely beneficial, especially down here. Um, because, you know, I can't put a bucket in a basement. I got to spend two or $300 just to be able to temperature control everything that I would ferment if I was brewing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now keep in mind that this yeast is not for, uh, you know, for every style of beer you want to brew, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's going to, it's, it is going to, it does have some some flavors that come out with the esters. And what's interesting is those flavors change at the temperature, different temperature ranges that you decide, well, different strains that you're using, because there's a, there's, there's a bunch of different type of kvike yeast. But also at the temperature range that you're actually using, it also changes the flavor profile. So even though you brew one beer with the kvike yeast, you can make another beer with that same yeast the same way, but just change the temperature and you'll get you, you know you might get some different characters that you didn't have before so it's 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 a you know it's kind of a it really is kind of an interesting yeast that that you can use and uh, one more thing before that you you continue on with this is uh we're going to be mentioning farmhouse style, style ales now typically when you hear farmhouse style ales we typically think of the saison farmhouse ale mm-hmm. and one of the things I learned in my research and and listening to his uh, to Lars' uh, interview is that um, these farmhouse ales are are real farmhouse ales, meaning these are still being brewed today in farmhouses with a uh, with you know with the yeast that that's floating around and in, in, in the air. Uh, they're they're not they they use different materials. They're using juniper. They're not. Hopped, uh, you know, they're not hopped with uh, with traditional hops that, that we find in, in our in more um, industrialized beer, and they're typically also not carbonated. So these are these are farmhouse ales that are brewed in a farm house uh, and have a, a an old traditional style of of beer that is found in that area, and the saison somehow. You know, in an article that was written years and years ago, it got attached that farmhouse ale, uh, you know, n- description to it, and and maybe it, you know, maybe back in the in that time in, in Belgium there were some, you know, it was being brewed in farmhouses, and maybe it's true, but uh, it, I, I want to separate that. That you know, from now on, I think I'm going to, I, I'm going to say a saison. I'm going to call a saison a saison, and. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of save this farmhouse ale for, you know, maybe if some beers come, you know, start being brewed that are traditional from the Norway farmhouse style, I'll use it in, in that manner, because I didn't know that there was actually a difference and, and Hey, you know, Saison's a Saison. I'll call, I I always like to call farmhouse ale Saisons anyway, because that's what I've always called it. And now I'm for sure going to just stick with the Saison name, um, because that's, you know, giving, uh, some validity to the you know the actual real farmhouse ales being brewed in Norway. Okay, Chris.
0: <clears throat> All right, yeast can impart very specific flavors to beers. In farmhouse style ales, yeast-derived flavors like clove, citrus and hay are desired, but in styles like IPAs, the flavors are often masked by hops because of its effect on taste as well as as well as alcohol production, yeast strains are chosen carefully by brewers. To that end, Omega Yeast, which is the supplier of of Kvike Yeast based in Chicago, now has a trio of Norwegian farmhouse yeasts available that produce slightly different flavors. The first available was Hothead Ale, so named to highlight its high fermentation temperatures. Omega describes it as having a honey-like aroma with overripe mango, which is complementary to modern Fruity hops. Hothead became like the beta strain for Omega, initially popular but now overtaken by the favored strains of Voss Kvike and Hornedal Kvike. Voss from the jernus farm, <laughs> by yep. way of blogger Garschel, imparts moderate orange, citrus, and general fruit characteristics. Hornedal, passed along from another farm, exhibits a strong pineapple dried fruit and stone fruit character that overlaps substantially with hop notes. Flavors can change based on temperature and the esters that are produced.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So keep in mind all, all these, all these Kvike yeast strains right now, they've only been captured for, uh, for, for use in, in home brewing and industrial brewing uh, just recently, right within last Five years, four. You know, well, I'll say four years probably, and uh, and they were all gathered at the source of where these farms are. So when you read that 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 farmer, uh, Jerns Farm, that that's where it actually was taken, was from the farm, from the area in that you know in around that farm, that, uh, and and the beers that he's brewing, whether it's his his magic uh, stirring stick that has it you know stuck in there or whatever, somehow they. They were able to harvest this yeast from that farm and reproduce uh you know these yeast strains that we can be sold uh, locally. so it's just it's very interesting i I'm gonna put those links I mean we still have a lot more to talk about, but I just want to highlight that I'm only touching a little bit on the details that are in these reports go in and 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 uh hit the links to these articles and go and read them for yourselves, I think you'll find some very, very interesting information in there uh, that, that uh, it's just, it's just, it's just kind of cool. So that's what I wanted to say there. All right, let's continue on with the history of Kvike and the man who brought it into the spotlight. Lars Garsel, a scientist and blogger from Oslo from the Oslo area, single-handedly brought the spotlight upon Kvike a family of yeast that has been handed down through generations of home brewers outside of Voss, Norway. He was introduced by uh, he was introduced to it by farmhouse brewer Sigmund, again Jern, Jerns. I wish yeah, I could remember that's how I was what I'm going to go Jerns, with. yeah Jerns, sure. who considers Kvike his fa- his family's own strain. Uh, Jerns invited Garsel to brew with him in the spring of 2014. While brewing. Garsol kept detailed reports and reflections on this, heart, this hearty strain capable of rapid fermentation at very high temperatures. Lars Garsol uh, based various blog posts off an, a number of research papers. Uh, one was written by Truels Rasmussen, Rasmussen and two others by Richard Pre- Price, or Priest, Carolyn uh Tyra, Tyrawa <laughs> Tyra. Tyra, Tyra. Ty- Tyra, yeah, <laughs> and George uh, Vandermeer. Uh, in 2016, Lars provided yeast strains to the Norwegian University of Science and Technology in uh, Trondheim. Uh, as a, a thesis paper was written detailing the analysis, here's a quick overview of the initial strains gathered and analyzed. Now, keep in mind, these strains were actually gathered and gathered by Lars himself. So, I mean, it's it's. I mean, he just went and hand-picked a bunch of stuff and, and took it over. Um, these are some of the names you might see on some Kvike strain variants. Uh, he lists them by geographic origin, south to north order along the Norwegian west coast. Um, all right, so Sigmund. Sigmund is the first Kvike yeast uh, that, that uh, Lars ever met from Voss. The story of brewing with Sigmund and collecting his yeast commercially available from the Yeast Bay and... Fermentum Mobile. Uh, Ravines, also from Voss, collected a few years before. Uh, Windelbow from Lardo. Uh, I'm told this yeast has been used since forever in the valley. I have uh, not yet met the brewers, unfortunately. That's Again, these are notes from Lars himself. Uh, Murray from Olden. This yeast was apparently last used in the 1990s and then left in a storehouse on the farm, uh, and Andreas Murray is a modern home brewer, and in 2015 got the idea of trying to revive the yeast, which he managed to do. So it's been sold commercially as WLP six seven eight eight Raftvold from Hornendale. Uh, the story of of a large brewing with this yeast, uh, Gassamel also from Hornendale, uh, Turge, Raftvold. Got his yeast from Zvere, uh Gossamel, 20 years ago. So these are almost the same. Uh, and Lars has, has met Olavsver um, briefly. All right. And in Stranda, uh, Stein Langlo-, Langlo in Stranda uh, stopped brewing with his Gveik yeast. And the uh, NCYC just barely got it to grow. Uh, there's some backstory. Uh, and it's sold commercially as OL. Or O-Y-L dash zero five seven. So these are these are the initial yeast um, collections that he did, and these are again these are all kind of in the area or a name uh, that that kind of specifies the region and the farm and the owners of of the strains that he first initially uh, used. Now you can go in and look at at uh, the yeast registry for. Norwegian yeast, and there's you know, fifty, a hundred different strains, right? And these are just the the ones he collected, and things I didn't write in in the notes here. Um, again, these yeasts were collected uh, in whatever means, whether it's a, a yeast jar that that the, that the farm house brewers had, that he just took samples from, or from from you know from, from uh, leaving it out in in the open area and then uh, letting it uh, collect and in capturing it but um one of the things I I don't think I mentioned in the notes here is that uh you know the Kvike yeast uh is not a pure yeast right it's it's uh, it th- when he delivered these yeasts, the first thing the scientists said is you brought us contaminated yeast and he says no 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 this yeast those contaminants are supposed to, or the bacteria are supposed to be in there that's what gives this you know this yeast a special behavior so don't remove the bacteria, because if you remove the bacteria, you remove that special, uh, you know, part of it that helps it be what it is. So this is kind of some interesting, uh, you know, side notes. All right, Chris, go ahead.
0: All right. Some people have even been skeptical uh, skeptical of the whole Kvike story, claiming there's no way people can have kept these yeasts going for centuries. And that most likely this is normal bread yeast like the farmhouse brewers use in regions where there is no Kvike. To that, to check that, they included Idenbaya, the Norwegian commercial bread yeast. Uh, crap, I scrolled down too far. There we go. Uh, <laughs> growth rate test results were pretty similar. Sigmund's Vos Kvike was the fastest, and finding that will not surprise the many people who have seen this yeast overflowing their uh, Ehrenmeyer flasks when growing it, the slowest was stranda total variation was about 20%. So not huge. Uh, they tested how well the yeasts flocculate. That is how fast they settle down to the bottom after fermentation. Hornadol flocculates at like a real hero. With 100% of the cells settling out within five minutes. Wow, wow. is that incredible? That's, that's stupid <laughs> fast. <laughs> uh, and Stranda and Murray also performed pretty well. They found that Idenbaya commercial bread yeast is really is a really crappy flocculator. That's something you never want to be called. It's a yeah. really crappy flocculator. <laughs> With about five percent having settled out. After five minutes, more surprising was that they found that Sigmund's Vostkvike also flocculated poorly, uh, 30%. Yeah.
1: So this is a, you know, they, they added this, they added two different styles of, of bread yeast. They added this one that we talked about here, and they also added a, a sourdough like, like yeast that they gathered from sourdough, um, starter or whatever, and they added those into the test. So again, they wanted to prove that this Kvike yeast is not just regular bread yeast. And this test that they just did, you know, really kind of shows that 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 bread yeast doesn't flocculate very well, definitely not as fast as the as the Kvike yeast does. And um and so that's that's why they, they added these extra um yeast in there. And they, they also took some Some Finnish yeast and um, uh, some other yeast around the European things, just to do a comparison on on how they perform to see that they definitely are. Oh, excuse me, they definitely are a a unique strain. It's not just uh, you know something that's found uh, everywhere. So yeah, all right. People have assumed that farmhouse yeast is normal L yeast, which is Saccharomyces cerevisae. But that's not what the results showed. Only four of the yeast were identified as L-yeast. A fifth, the Sigmund, is tentatively identified as L-yeast, but it's uncertain. Lars uh, walks us through the various ex- um, exceptions and discusses them a little bit. So Murray is identified as either lager yeast or its close relative. Uh, so it's either lager yeast, which is Saccharomyces pastorianus, or oh, wow. Saccharomyces, Saccharomyces Bayonese. Oh, You said Bayonese. anus. Anus. Yeah. yeah, twice. You said it twice. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so how did lager yeast wind up in the innermost arm of the Nord Nordford, Nordfjord Nordfjord Nordfjord, uh, right under the glacier? Did someone at some point get yeast from a lager brewery, or is the story more complicated? So the S. bianus and the S. pastoranus (laughs) are both cold-tolerant species. Do they live wild in Norway? It seems unlikely, but I'm not sure anyone has ever checked carefully enough to answer with a clear yes or no. So note, uh, this this isn't the first time that lager yeast has shown up where it wasn't supposed to be. So this is just like another... Uh, you know, story of, of of a lager yeast being someplace that it, it really shouldn't belong. Um, and that's part of this, uh, you know, weird Kvike story.
0: The next surprise is that no less than three yeasts are identified as Saccharomyces boulardii. Yeah. And one additional uncertain identification ravines. Note that Ravine's closest relative, Sigmund, is an uncertain Saccharomyces cervice Identification S. Bellardi is a tropical yeast that mm. is very closely related to ale yeast. Mm. There are so many yeasts out there. Holy cow. Yeah. It seems deeply unlikely that a tropical species should exist in the wild in Norway and Lithuania. But could it be that these farmhouse yeasts are a variant of, of S. cervice? that shares some high-temperature tolerance genes with the S. boulardii. Hmm. Interesting. There's a lot of wild things uh, living living in Norway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, summary of what was learned. They learned a few things from this study. For one thing, kveik is not a type of yeast. All ale yeast is Saccharomyces, uh, Saccharomyces cerevis- cerevisiae, but the Kvike appears to range more widely than that. This fits perfectly well with earlier brewing experiments with Kvike and with the history of this type of yeast. There's no reason why these yeasts should all be closely related, and it turns out they're not. Another thing they learned is that these yeasts are not merely bread yeasts, and quite frankly, there is no reason why they should be people managed to keep their yeast strains going for centuries, probably millennia, until the arrival of pure yeast culture technology in the 1880s. Of course, they could keep doing the same thing in the mere 130 years until the present day, even if nearly everyone else switched to pure yeast cultures.
1: Yeah, yeah. So some amazing stuff, right? A tropical yeast ends up way up north, I mean and and survives somehow you know how did it get there i mean did birds like poop it out african uh, swallows yeah i mean that must be it right <laughs> or did the or did the uh the vikings you know come down that far south and grab stuff and bring it up and it, somehow the yeast survived i mean i don't know it's pretty amazing i mean i, I this whole story is is uh is is kind of cool and that's what i really i really enjoyed reading all these articles and trying to pull out the interesting uh, you know, stories and facts uh, surrounding them to, to share with you guys because, I mean, there's a lot of dry stuff in there too, but th- these are some of the things I, that I really found interesting that I thought you guys would enjoy. And I,
0: I would say you did a very good job at it because I'll admit, Denny, I did not uh, fully read this entire article <laughs> until right now, and I went, Uh, We're going to be talking about yeast. I know. Buzz Killington over here. I know. But looking at this, I mean, how do microscopic organisms that are supposed to be in more of a tropical climate show up in somewhere that's um, much colder?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's an amazing story. Amazing story. All right. So now that was the initial thing. Uh, thesis that was written. We just talked about that study about these yeasts originally. Now we move forward another year, a year or two, and uh, actually, yeah, two or three years. It's now 2017, and a, a new paper, a research paper, is written by. Uh, I, I mentioned in the in the uh, the notes the uh, the article uh, by Price, uh, Tirowa, and Vandermeer. Uh, and they wrote this research paper, again, studying more strains of Kvike and doing a lot of tests, doing some GNA tests and uh, genetic testing and, and such. And so here's a, here's a story about this research paper. Now, originally, uh, this research paper, again, written in 2017, and um, it suffered from a lot of naysayers, some criticism, some criticism, uh, with the difficulty believing that farmhouse brewers were for, were truly fermenting at 30 to 40 degrees Celsius, or in our case, 86 to 104 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, so here's the abstract of that paper, that first paper they wrote. So human activity has resulted in the domestication of Saccharomyces cerevisiae uh, yeast, specifically adapted to beer production. While there is evidence beer yeast domestication. Was accelerated by industrialization of beer. There also exists home brewing culture in western Norway which has passed down yeast referred to as kvike for generations. Now, uh, one other thing I want to mention kvike, uh, what do you think it means, Chris? Um, uh, just I a guess, it, no it, guess, just
0: a guess, no guess, kvike. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've got nothing because it doesn't trans like I can't look at it and it's like a Latin word and go. Yeah, okay, well, no, it might
1: mean no, yeast. it means yeast. Nuh-uh. <laughs> I was gonna say that too. It's it. the Norwegian <laughs> name for yeast, as far from what I understand. That's what from uh, all the stuff I've uh, I've listened to and stuff. It it just means yeast. It's the Norway Norwegian you know word for yeast. Okay, I just wanted to. I just thought about that as I was talking, so I wanted to just get that out. All right, so the, um, this practice has resulted in l which are typically higher, highly flocculent, phenolic off-flavor negative, which is POF negative. So if we see POF negative uh, down here a little bit further, that's what that means. It's, it's phenolic off-flavor, so it's not producing off-flavors uh, during this process of being this high uh, temperature, um, and exhibit a high rate of fermentation similar to previously characterized lineages. Of domesticated yeast. Additionally, Kvike yeasts are highly temperature tolerant, likely due to the traditional practice of pitching yeast into warm, which is greater than 30 degrees Celsius wort. And they go on to say We characterize Kvike yeasts from nine different Norwegian sources via PCR fingerprinting, uh, phenotypic screens, lab scale fermentations, and flavor metal uh, metabolite analysis. that's all the science terms crazy. Um, genetic fingerprinting via interdelta PCR suggests that kvike yeast form a lineage distinct from other domesticated yeasts. Our analysis confirms that Kvike yeast display hallmarks of domestication such as the uh, as loss of four vinniogossical production and high flocculations and show superior thermal tolerance, ethanol tolerance, and fermentation rate and unique flavor metabolite production profiles in comparison to other L strains, suggesting a broad industrial potential for this group of yeast. Now, that's the key, is that, you know, they, they, they came to the conclusion that, that this has an industrial potential based on all these very positive uh, traits that this yeast, you know, show— uh, is that, hey, this is something that we can use in commercial brewing that, that you know, that can really kind of help. All right, Chris, so uh, continue on.
0: Yep. The first paper showed very clearly that Kavike is a domesticated yeast. That is a yeast that has been reused by humans for so long that it has changed into something that works better for humans and is adapted to the environments humans have created for it. So Kavike is definitely not wild yeast. It's beer yeast but what kind of beer yeast? DNA analysis results weren't quite surprising. Kavike belongs to Beer 1. This is the group that has Belgian-German strains on one side and UK and US ones on the other. Kavike slots in near the root of Beer 1. The basic division inside of Beer 1 is between the US, UK, Belgium, Germany yeasts on the one side and Kavike. Plus three non-kvike yeasts on the other. Everybody get that?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> they're, they're, I mean, in the article, there's a drawing, right? So mm-hmm. basically, beer one is the is basically the the first line, first lineage of mm-hmm. beer, right? And yeah. this is the yeast that it's are used buffed. in in beer. <laughs> this is beer yeast. And on one side of that of that root has the ones that we all use, right? The Belgian, German, and UK and US yeast. Those are all the ones on that one side. Then on the other side, which again, this is all just uh, you know, they're all branching off of this of, of the root in in, in in the same level, right? They're all beer one. On the other side of it, you have the Kvike yeast, and then to, to just to the right of of that, you have three other yeast, like, you know, just random other yeast that that they call out. And so it just goes to show you that this is this is this is a real yeast that's in the base of beer yeast, right? This is a, a brewer's yeast that um, that shares genetic characteristics with all the other typical brewer's yeast that, that are, are being used around the world. So that, that, in general, that's what it means.
0: Yeah, yeah. What the researchers think is that at some point in the evolution of brewer's yeast, a yeast from beer one mated... With some other yeast. Now it's getting freaky. Mated with some other yeast outside of beer one. And that's all the Kvike. And that all the Kvikes descended from this child. Mm -hmm. This researchers think wow. The researchers think (laughs) (laughs) this means that Kvike was formed by a parent from very early beer one mating with wild yeast. Mm -hmm. This hybridization event, by the way, if it happened, is similar to how lager yeast formed by normal brewers' yeast mating with a wild yeast from a different cold-tolerant species. In the case of Kvike, both parents were Saccharomyces cerevisiae, but from a very different population within the species.
1: And that's hmm. it. Yeah, I, I, I left off with that little information because that's like super deep uh, you know, you know, into the science, right? We're talking genetic material, right? mm-hmm. and yeah. it just goes to show. I, I wanted to show that that this is this is a real brewer's yeast. They they narrowed it down to the DNA, showing it it goes back to beer one, the first line of of beer yeast, and it's it was uh, created just by uh, a wild yeast, you know, mating with it and creating the kveik. Uh, you know characteristics and that that's what's cool i don't know i, I think that's uh it, it's just amazing that uh that this yeast has been has survived and and not just one yeast like all, this whole family of yeasts in norway across the entire you know north and south uh area uh you know has survived all these years and uh, you know, kept alive by these farmhouse brewers. Uh, imagine if, if all of a sudden, that the craft of brewing beer in their farmhouse, uh, you know, the son said, "You know what, pops, I'm not doing this anymore," and gave up the brewing, and we no. lost, and we lost that whole strain because no one was keeping up with it, and it just disappeared, right? Which could have happened, but they didn't. They just kept brewing beer and kept this strain alive uh, for you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. So I, that's pretty cool. Millennia, apparently. Millennia. Or it could be millennia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could be mm-hmm. millennia. So Chris, I I once again, I think I shocked you by taking something that you thought was gonna be complete boredom and making it uh, you know, turn out to be pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Like and like
0: I said earlier, I, I looked at this and I was like, eh, I mean, I know yeast is a big part of beer and all, but uh digging into it a little deeper, that's pretty cool to think about it. Like, you know, just going back to that comment I made earlier about how, okay, well, we've we've got some sort of hybridization going on here. And mm-hmm. we've got these tropical yeasts showing up. Um, we're yeah. more like we're we are more like yeasts than we than we really think, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they got tropical yeast on one end, and they've got lager cold you know uh yeast on the other end you know they, they so it's so amazing how completely opposite uh you know these Kvike yeasts can be yet still you know produce uh you know some some unique beers uh with these with all these different characteristics so it's I don't know it's it's cool it's science and it's just drinking so i encourage all of our listeners that when you see Kvike, you know, on the label of a beer that you're, you know, at a brewery you're visiting, or in a can you see on a shelf, uh, pick it up and try it, and let us know what you think of of that beer. Keep in mind, these, this yeast is going to remove all the the sugar, fermentable sugars available. It's a it's a very fast acting. Uh, yeast, as we already said, Mm -hmm. so it's it's not, it's gonna, it's it, these beers are gonna typically be a a, you know, more a a more drier than 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 the style that you're looking at, it can be. But what I found is that dryness isn't as harsh as you get like when you have a super dry IPA. Uh, And it just like sucks all the moisture out of your cheeks when you, when you go like a it or whatever, it's not, it's not that bad. These are much more, these beers are much more drinkable in my opinion, yet you still feel that there's not a lot of sugar in there, but it still makes a a good flavor and a good beer. So I've, I've really been enjoying it. And now I'm going to start paying more attention when I, when I drink these Kvike yeast beers uh, so I can kind of, Uh, note down, jog down some of the characteristics that I'm, you know, that I'm getting from, from the beer. Um, Now that I know, you know, how well they work. Okay. Well, you know what, Chris, it's time to go ahead and talk about our new and noteworthy beers. You want to, you want to start us off?
0: I will. Um, New and noteworthy beers for me. Um, I had one local one and two, uh, I've been getting into a lot of West Coast stuff lately just because, yeah. you know, my my bottle shop is now um Tavor. So. Oh
1: my gosh, you're embarrassing me. Look, I <laughs> <laughs>
0: I um someone
1: decided to not reopen his bottle shop, so yeah, uh, yeah we I'm, need to talk about that on uh on uh, Fermented Reality Beercast.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll probably discuss that a little bit. Um in okay, we'll 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 get on that at another subject. Yeah, anyway, yeah. so uh, <laughs>
1: um,
0: my first beer that I want to talk about is from Moonraker Brewing, and it was their Electric Lettuce. Um, not only was the name really cool, uh, the first thing that grabbed my eye on this beer uh, was its label art.
1: Hmm.
0: <clears throat> Excuse me, um, and it was super simple. It's just a. It, it almost looks like an ink. Uh, an ink drawn hop just the hop cone and it just says electric lettuce underneath of it um that i was it was just black and white super simple but man was it a just a fantastic beer um it was a collaboration with um alvarado street brewery but moonraker is based out of auburn california okay and um This was a a double IPA hopped with mosaic and citrus hops. Uh, Their collab with Alvarado Street Brewing has become a fan favorite. So with their permission, we will continue to brew this amazing beer. Good. Uh, It says this beer is bursting with big citrus flavor and a touch of melon. And this one is a juicy double. Yeah, it's pretty much the flavors I got out of it as well. Um, And this beer specifically, I rated 4.75. Oh nice. Um, and I don't as far as the rating goes, like it's almost there. It's almost a 5 cap rating. Mm-hmm. Um when I drank it originally, I was hanging out in the parking lot of a hotel <laughs> oh. uh with some dog training friends. Okay. And I I had had a couple of other beers like that velossa rabbit that tasted <laughs> like garbage. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that you got to go ahead and listen to the uh pilot episode of Forbidden Beer.
0: Yeah, um so Oh no, I, are we talking I, about no, that it. Was, on... It was our last episode. It was our oh, last okay. episode. Yeah, okay. it was the one that I dumped down the drain. Um, okay. sorry, sorry okay. folks in Aslan. Um I, I don't think it was your fault. I think it was just poor handling on my friend's part. Okay. Um anyway, this one 4.75, uh I remember taking the first sip of it and going Oh, damn. Like, there there are some IPAs, and you go, oh, yeah, juicy, tropical, hoppy, it's nice. And then you drink some of them, like this other beer that I'm drinking right now, and then you just go, wow. makes you kind of pause and wait a little bit. Mm. So why didn't I give it five caps? I have no freaking clue. I really don't. (laughs) So 4.75 caps for that beer, the uh, Electric Lettuce from Moonraker Brewing. The next beer is from our friends over at Three Bulls Tavern and Brewery, which, again, three minutes from the house. That's uh, one of at least my personal favorite places to eat and not only eat, but get beer. Um, They're Belgian single. Mm. And Denny, it makes me smile when I say Belgian single and then I talk about it on this show because... I don't know episode 26 or so. I remember emailing you guys and going (laughs) Belgian beers are gross. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) And um, not only did I have the single, but I also had their double as well, which was just delicious. Mm. Um, But the Belgian single. Tracy at, at three bulls, that lady makes some, just some fantastic beer flavored beer. Just that's all I want. Anytime I go there, um, the food is always fantastic. But that's what I want when I go there. I just want some good beer flavored beer. And she freaking knocks it out of the park every single time. Um, We did a flight. um, I'm trying to remember the beers we had on the flight. We had a black currant saison. Mm. Which I'm not a fan of saisons, but it was still delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan took care of that one for me. Um, the single, the double, and then there was also a coffee oatmeal stout. Okay, now Denny, if you were to grab a coffee oatmeal stout off the shelf, what do you think the AV uh, the ABV would be?
1: Um, uh, a regular oatmeal stout or an imperial
0: uh it's okay it's that's a good question so just
1: um i mean this is just a regular meal style yeah i would say six and a half okay
0: so this is clocking in at five and a half okay okay so not a huge beer um and it was brewed with local coffee right so um all uh, all of her beers i think the double the belgian double was the biggest one out of all of them and that clocked in at six and a half percent yeah Okay. Yeah. They're not huge beers. And I've had, I've had singles. I've had doubles. I've had coffee stouts. I've had, you know, saisons that are, you know, six, seven, eight, nine percent. And it's like, okay, that's cool. But I just want to enjoy the beer. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. one of my favorite things about, about, that about three bulls is it's beer flavored beer. The beers aren't like Super high ABV, like her uh, her Scotch ale or Scottish ale. I don't remember what it's called, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, it's like four point six percent. Yeah, and it's just delicious. Um, I tried to talk her into selling me a five gallon <laughs> keg of it. She couldn't. So
1: yeah.
0: Um, but every every time I go over there, I try to try something different. Her cream ale is phenomenal. I mean, I, I always just I want to try something different. And she, her and David uh, Otero. You guys are knocking it out of the park, guys. Uh, every time I go in there, I'm just amazed by those beers. And I say I sit down at the table, and I take that first sip of beer, and I say it to Megan every single time, beer-flavored beer. Nice. Fantastic. And the last one, were, oh, so that Belgian single, we gave it a four-cap rating. And the f- last beer I want to talk about is from Far West Cider Company. And this one was another beer that I picked up from Tavor and you know, the, it wasn't necessarily one that was like, Oh, the label art. That'll, that'll get mm-hmm. me right there because it was a white label. The four words on the front of the can were you guava be kidding me. And that was the name <laughs> of the beer. The word, the, all the words were in black except the word guava, which was in pink. Nice. And, um, it was, it was, It was almost like it was almost missing something, right? Like, I've had some ciders before where you take a sip of it and you go, ooh, that's a little on the sweet side. This one, it wasn't sweet and it wasn't dry. It was almost like it was slightly diluted, Mm -hmm. meaning like it was almost like watered down juice, slightly, just slightly watered down juice, and I didn't hate it. Right. Nice. Um, and, and in their in their description, it's a dry cider infused with Brazilian guava. Uh, the, the flavor description is tropical, aromatic and guava-y, <laughs> uh, <laughs> according to their according to their listing on Untapped, But it was it, it was like guava juice that was just that had a little too much water in it. Um, it was still carbonated very well but it was super easy to drink. It wasn't super sweet. It wasn't like sticking all over your palate. It was just easy to drink and just light tropical, just juice. That's that's the best way I can describe it. Um, I gave that beer a four cap rating and uh, honestly, it could be used as a, a good mixer
1: <laughs> yeah. for
0: for something else, but nice. uh, it was it was really good, um, and I'm glad I got to try it. So, Danny, what about you? Let's hear about some of your new and noteworthy beers.
1: All right. Well, my new and noteworthy beers. I'm going to start off with a five cap rating. I'm going to tell you the going cap big. rating right now. Yeah, I'm going big. And uh, you know what? I think I've mentioned this brewery like every episode for the last you know four episodes because they've been like knocking it out of the ballpark with their beers, and this is Bombastic Brewing, and uh, this is their Sleuth with Cake Spice. It's an Imperial Porter, and uh, this this one shocked me. Um, I got it only because I've, like I said, I've I've been drinking these Bombastic beers that have been coming into town and again. Bombastic. Uh, is based out of uh northern idaho Hayden idaho I guess i found out it I, I thought it was it must be near post falls idaho and I learned today just today I learned that they are a um a contract brewery really a, a gypsy brewery basically and this is a choice that they've decided to to do uh based off of a lot of different reasons and they have an article on their website that listed the reasons why. Now I think some of the reasons are BS, but you know what? To each their own. That's fine. But um, I, now I understand why, uh, you know, we've seen some, uh, some uh, information that they uh, were brewing off of payettes in payette brewing. Right. And I wasn't sure why they were brewing in payette. Were they doing collaboration or not? Nobody, nowhere did it say collaboration. So turns out that it's a contract brewing. Hmm. And uh and uh so yeah, so maybe that's why we're getting so much of their beer uh, here in Boise recently is that they've been brewing a lot of stuff out of uh you know the the beer the breweries here that you know. Now, I I really want to interview these guys and I want to ask questions about this contract brewing because the things they say is that uh you know it's 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 utilizing uh, you know, there are other people with breweries, but it might, I mean, unless they're doing it on off hours, right? As far as I know, Payette Brewing brews 24-7. Uh, maybe they don't. Maybe I'm mistaken. But even if they don't brew 24-7, they only have limited number of ferment, fermenters to store beer in. So, you know, how, do they have a, a a semi-truck with a fermenter on the back of it that they <laughs> load the beer in and then they take it off and ferment it somewhere else? I mean, I don't know how they do this. So I have a lot of questions. So I, I really want to, uh, you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll be able to interview Bombastic and find out why they chose, why they, you know, the details about this contract brewing. But back to this beer. As soon as you hear me say Cake Spice Imperial Porter, you guys know that I don't like pumpkin beers, right? Now, not that cake spice is the same as pumpkin, but, you know, some similar uh, characteristics of having spice in it. Um, but I'll tell you what. I absolutely loved this beer. For one thing, the cake spice was like eating spice cake. And I love spice cake, you know, which is amazing because I don't like pumpkin pie and all that stuff, but I do enjoy spice cake, and this is like having some of that spice cake character in very low amounts of the spice um, added in, blended in, with a very well done and delicious Imperial Porter. Uh, That's what, what I love, is that that spice didn't take away from the base beer. Any beer that can be brewed with adjuncts in it, that still allows that base beer character to come out and and just show it off uh, is a winner in my book. So that's why I gave that a five cap rating. I just couldn't find anything wrong with it, especially being a spice beer that I don't really like spices. Um, Yeah, it was good. So that's the first beer. Second beer is from, what do I I got here? From, uh, oh, Jim Dandy Brewing. And this is uh, one of the beers I had when I was there. And it is uh let's see it's called the the dandy brow and they're calling it an american amber red ale but uh it's also listed as a a Martin. but this is a i got a chance to talk to davis the uh the co-owner and co-brewer head brewer of of jim dandy when i was there we chatted for a while and uh you know we talked about this beer i said man this is a a really well done beer, and I'm amazed that you're calling it an amber or, or red ale because it tastes just like a Marzen. But uh, again, he he talked about, and again, I wish my memory was better. It's been a week, so I've already lost what he said. Um, but it has a lot of the characteristics of a Marzen without using lager yeast. So that's what's pretty amazing here. It's actually an ale uh, that, that gives off this. So what I wrote about this on Untapped, love this beer, biscuit malt up front with a bit of caramel malt. And low sweetness, finishing nice and dry. And as Brewer Davis and I discussed, it's close to an alt ale. And that's that's what it is, yeah. This is very reminiscent of an alt ale. And I love a good alt ale. And I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. Um, four and a half cap rating. So uh, that's that's with the Dandy Brow from Jim Dandy. And then my next beer is from Fremont Brewing. And this is called their Space Rex. Now, the label was pretty awesome. It's a uh, an astronaut on a a Tyrannosaurus Rex with a spacesuit. Yeah, and uh, I I really like this one. So on what I wrote about this one, nice use of hops to give a mellow, sweet, juicy citrus hop flavor up front, with a piney bitterness to finish. And it's uh, really well done and uh, well done and balanced. Uh, And I really enjoy this one. Four and a quarter rating on this one and. I love it when a brewery can mix the citrus and the pine together and separate them. So you have two distinct hop characteristics in that same beer that you taste up front the citrus and finish it off with the, you know, at the end, you get that back flavor of that pine in the back. Uh, Really well done. Uh, So space wrecks.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt you. That is a really cool... Uh, label art, because yeah. Tom Byrne had checked into that and took a picture of it. That's a really cool photo.
1: Yeah. A uh, really yeah. cool label art. Yeah. I like that one, too. I like that one, too. I I was going to save it, but it, it was a full can art, not uh, the label. I've been peeling off the labels of these arts, because so many breweries now yeah. are putting their, their labels on these blank cans, mm-hmm. and they peel off so easy, so yeah. I just peel them off and stick them on my on my shelves. <laughs> yeah, so, well, so fun fact about that.
0: So I've actually been making magnets out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um So I just, I pour uh, hot water out of the out of the tap into the can, and it loosens it up a little more, a little more. Okay, and okay. And then it's easy, a little easier to peel off, too.
1: Okay, I'll try that. Yeah, yeah, that might work, because I, I end up peeling it off, and I end up crushing the can as I'm trying to peel mm-hmm. it off the uh, can. <laughs> All right, the last new, noteworthy beer, is a, a beer that I got. I think I mentioned that my buddy Alex from Israel was here, visited. He brought me a nice care package from Israel with a lot of good beers. And one of the beers he brought me was from Meltzer uh, Brewing. And I've never had, this is a brewery that I haven't had, you know, since I visited uh, Israel. It's called their Meltzer Pale Ale. And it's an English Pale Ale. Uh, what I wrote about this is I'm really enjoying this Pale Ale. It's nice to actually be able to taste some malt in a pale ale. And that's a key, too, is I'm so tired of drinking pale ales that are just all hopped up, and you can't taste any of the malt in there. I, I don't. I, I need pale ales to have some malt character, and this one did. Um, and the hops they used really uh, added a, a pleasant flavor as well. And, again, uh, it wasn't like there wasn't hops there. There were hops there, but the hops— uh, were done in a in a delicate way where it uh, it allowed that malt to come through, but yet finish with the hop character that you enjoy without being overwhelmed by it. So I I, I thought it was really done. Uh, I also wrote on here uh, I was worried when I saw the English Pale Ale style, uh, but it surprised me. And that's I'm not a huge English Ale fan, uh, Pale Ale fan. I mean, some of them are pretty good, but a lot of them have earthy characters that I don't like and because this beer I don't I don't believe it if it, I don't believe it used noble hops or um, or English hops I think it used something that had like a a subtle uh, lemon uh, grass character to it and I I'm a sucker for lemongrass so when I had that little bit of a lemony uh, grassy character uh, in the in the finish uh, I really enjoyed that so I think they used a little bit different hop that um, that made it better for me. You guys came right. to
0: like uh, all things Asian as far as flavors go. So we were talking yeah. about ginger, and then we talked about sesame, and now
1: lemongrass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. I, yeah, I'm a sucker for... I'm a sucker for, I, I'm not a, I, I would say I'm not a huge Chinese, like American Chinese food fan. Uh, I mean, I can eat it, but it's not my favorite because a lot of times it's just over and and I don't... I don't like it when foods have to be salted or seasoned high to give flavor. I like it when the uh the vegetables and the and the ingredients mm-hmm. within that, that meal uh bring out the flavors. And that's what Thai food does a lot and like you said, some of the Asian influ you know, influenced things that, that are utilizing um, you know, ginger, like real ginger and lemongrass and uh, you know, lemon basil or whatever, like like the they're, they're, you're using real flavors to, to accentuate the food instead of just throwing in a bunch of stuff that's going to kill you early. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge, I, I love, uh, uh, good Thai food, you know, oh yeah, that, that com, you know, combination of, uh, coconut, peanut butter, mm-hmm. uh, and, and some uh, heat in there too, a little bit of heat and just, uh, everything comes together and just gives you a, a, a nice full flavor and curry. I love curry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm a sucker. Hey, you're making me show. hungry now. I know, yeah. Yeah. I didn't eat very much for dinner and now I want some Thai food. Well, I was thirsty in the beginning of the show. Now <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now you're hungry. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what, Chris? Let's close this show out. But you know, before we close it out, I always want to give you an opportunity to raise a glass to somebody like can raise a glass to. So who would you like to raise a glass to tonight?
0: So I would like to raise a glass to my buddy, Ryan Whedon in Ohio. Uh, Ryan, happy birthday, man. I hope you are, again, having a wonderful birthday with some good beers, some good friends, and um, I hope it's another amazing year for you. Denny, what about you? Who would you like to raise a glass to?
1: Well, first I'm going to raise a glass to one of our Patreon supporters. So I'm going to raise my glass to Mark Church this week. Uh, Thank you, Mark, for your support, and cheers to you. And I'm also going to raise a glass to my lovely wife, Sarah. Uh, Tomorrow is her birthday, and I am taking tomorrow off to spend the day with her and have her enjoy uh, her birthday. So cheers to you. Yeah. Yep. And, of course, uh, uh, after this episode is aired, uh, the next week will be Veterans Day. So, as usual, I always want to raise my glass uh, to all the veterans out there, all the pe- all the current military men and women serving our country and protecting our freedoms, cheers to you! And uh, I really appreciate uh, all of, you know, all the sacrifices you guys are making. Uh, and uh, again, I want you guys to come home safely to your families very, very soon. All right, Chris, how about you go ahead and uh, uh, give a shout out to our sponsor
0: at the forefront of the craft beer movement. Brewer shirts was one of the first to create apparel that celebrates the art of brewing and the love of fine beer, never too trendy, always comfortable and offering affordable quality. They screen print their gear by hand in their studio using eco-friendly inks, materials, and processes. Go visit their online store at brewershirts.com and use the coupon code tapthecraft 2020 to receive 15%. All full priced items.
1: And you can find the beers and the links to all those articles I talked about on the show in the show notes, located on the show post at tapthecraft.com. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at loose screw. And how and Chris, how can our listeners follow you?
0: So you can never find me on, on Twitter at Chris yeah. underscore McKenzie80. <laughs> or you can find me on untapped and in Instagram at MCK. One three four five, and as always, interact with me on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Everything, guys, is at tap the craft.
1: All right, it is last call, it's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show. We ask you to please, please, please tell a friend, and of course, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Google Play, Castbox, Podbean, Spotify, and now on iHeartRadio or however you listen to your podcast and as a reminder we release a new show every 2 weeks now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer cheers <laughs>